Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the Tackle Podcast. Uh, the Tackle Podcast uh, actually is weirdly found itself on a Tuesday afternoon, randomly watching a terrible game of football, watching France-Bulgaria. But hey, we're working it. We're working it. We're getting on our prep for Euros. Um, and we wouldn't be a sports podcast if we didn't watch a little bit of sport. Um, would we, Ross? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Hello to you who are listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your continued support. Thank you very much, guys. Absolutely. And uh, likewise, as we say, as we start every podcast, and, and we'd like to thank you uh, for supporting us, getting in touch. You know, if you are listening to the pod, remember, guys, like, share, tell your mates down the pub. Now that we can go in pubs, uh, you know, by all means, track and trace, cook, corona and what have you. But it, at least it's better than nothing, Ross. We don't normally have to sit outside when it's pissing down. Um, but yeah, tell your mates. Amen. Put, on, put, on, put it on your socials. Um, you know where to find us on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the Facebook by now. We don't need to go through that again, guys. Uh, and likewise, uh, we are available on all good podcast providers. Ross, how's, how's your weekend been, mate? How's, how's, how's the last seven days been for you? Sum it up. Wow, it's been a bit, uh, it's been a bit up and down. Um, wasn't too good end of last week. And then uh, over the weekend, Did you have I, spent about, I spent about an hour and a half coffin so I ordered a Rona kit which was supposed to be delivered next day and took four days so I've done that today sent that off I've been staying away from people Good um, man. Responsible to, adult. I'm, but I'm feeling completely fine now I always find like it's when you book the doctors like you book the doctors and they say yeah well the next point we've got is in three weeks and I'm like well in three weeks I'm gonna be fine or I'm gonna be dead so I need to see someone sooner you know, so um, I think I might. Off. I think I might have AIDS. Yeah, we're going to see you in three weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you wonder yeah, why A and E. You wonder why A and E's are so round all the time. Yeah, I. Oh, I know. Like the doctors take ages, you know, and A and E it takes five hours. You know, although people go to A and E, they're like, "Oh, I've, I've bit my fingernail." You're like, "Oh, come on!" Like, you have know. a day off. Although, yeah. although, although we do not recommend that you go to A and E if you do think you have AIDS or any other sort of deadly sort of serious illness, by all means, go check out your GP. We, you know, we as a podcast take no responsibility for what you do. Absolutely. Gloucester A&E is going to be around the next few weeks. Yeah, got it. So uh, well, what can I help you with? Oh, well, I was listening to uh, Tackle Podcast, and they said, you think you have age, come to A&E. So, uh, you know, here I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. That's, not, that's not the case. <laughs> but good, good to know Good to know that you haven't got Rona. Nobody needs that. Yeah. Actually, I'm all good only, now. Ideally, and you know, I'm pretty sure someone's made this joke before, but the only corona anyone needs is ideally of a, a line wedge in the top of the bottle. Those days are oh, coming, ladies and gentlemen. Are Those right. days are coming. Yeah, warm summer days. Euro's going to be on. I was cleaning the shed on the weekend and I found a a nice bucket, like a corona bucket. I need oh, some cool. coronas in there. Ice, bosh, I cannot wait, but. Oh, excited. How are you, Leon? How's uh, how's your last seven days been? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. I mean, it's a bit been up and down, you know, with, with one thing and the other because of sort of Corona has put a spot, a stop to uh, a lot of things this week for me, especially with with, with stuff with uh, with work and uh, and what have you. But look, the sun's been out. I've been getting, the, you know, I've been topping up the tan. The singlet has been on factor two up. you know, it's summer. I mean, admittedly, my body isn't quite summer ready. Uh, I'm unfortunately going to have to embrace a dad bod for yet another year. Uh, but unfortunately, hey, I, I'll hear they're in, uh, ladies. I, I, I hear they're in. Let us know. Um, and hey, if you like to go with, uh, with a dad bod, slide into our DMs. RE Leon, just saying. Hey, 
you know, Tinder, Tinder's not necessarily working out, but we don't necessarily need to get into another Tinder analogy. No, we do not. We do not. <laughs> no, no, other than that, I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain too much. I'm excited for the Euros and just want to get into it, really. And we'll come on to that. I'm sure we will later in the podcast. Guys, like we say every week, if there's something that you hear on our podcast that you want to get in touch with us about or, you know, you, you think, actually, you've missed this, guys, well, yeah, you were spot on. Uh, boom, it's just in our DMs. Get in touch with us, as we say, at TacklePod on Instagram and Twitter or the, or the Facebook group Tackle Podcast. Now, Ross, we're heading into the news. What has caught your eye in the news this week, big man? We are indeed. I think we've got to, got to start with Carl Sinclair getting called up to Lions with uh, Andrew Porter listening out with a toe injury. Big up, Carl. We've, uh, yeah, you know, we've, we, we, did the, we did the Lions special, which was really good fun. And, you know, we kind of thought... Kind of thought he, he would have gone initially. Um, and then we saw that interview, that real raw interview after after the game, um, playing for Bristol. And, you know, you know, we were kind of really humbled, kind of, how, you know, how he took it. You know, he, he kind of took it as it is and, you know, got on with it. And, you know, fair play to him for getting getting called, called back up. So, um, yeah, for me, that, that, that caught my eye. I mean... I don't know how he, he didn't go in the first place, Leon. Um, I'll be honest. Yeah, I think definitely. it makes sense. Definitely, mate. And I think, uh, do you know what? I want I want to just, um, I want to say to it, if, you know, if there's anyone listening uh, who plays sport or they, or they suffer some sort of adversity in their life, especially young kids, you know, kids out there, Carl Sinclair is the example of when things don't go your way, particularly in sport, how you should respond. And since his disappointment of not being selected for the, for the Lions squad initially, I mean, his performances week in, week out for Bristol, he just backed it up, you know, and he's, he's uh, as, as Warren Gatlin said in a sort of in a, an interview when they said, oh, you've slept to I think he was like, yeah, I hope he continues to keep putting two fingers up to me and proving me wrong. And that's exactly what you want from not just professional athletes, but people in general. So, but I want to also, but do you know what? Although we're saying, you know, congratulations, Carl. Absolutely. I think he, we, as you said, we should have gone on a tour anyway. The media focused so much on Carl Sinclair that actually, imagine what Andrew Porter's going through now. One of his probably only chances to go on a Lions tour. And again, a deserved place nonetheless. He was in our Lions tour that we selected uh, in our Lions special. He'd be devastated. He will be, honestly, he will be a broken man because, you know, a week before sort of they all get together or, or well, uh, or before Leinster season ends and his season's ended prematurely, unfortunately. So, Andrew, Andrew, we wish you all the best, mate. Uh, wish you a speedy recovery, but big up Carl Sinclair for getting selected for the Lions. We're sure you do a great job. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I said when you heard the news, your kind of heart went out to Andrew Porter, really, didn't it? You know, not not making it, but, you know, Carl Sinclair, you know, like you said, okay, you haven't got what you wanted, you haven't got picked, but he's continued to graft and, you know, you know, fair play to him. Fair play to him. So, um, yeah, well, well done, Kyle. Um, anything, uh, anything in the news for you, Leon? Can we just talk about right. the? Can we just talk about the pandemonium that happened in Baku? The F one, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Oh my God, Pirelli! I tell you what, if I was, you know, Christian Horner, or I was, you know, Total, uh, not Total Wolf. What's his name? Yeah, it's Total Wolf. Yeah, Total Wolf. I would be getting on the phone yeah. to. Yeah, I'd be getting on the phone to Pirelli to who makes my break. I'd be fuming because I've never known a race where that where so many sort of intricate sort of 
technical things have gone wrong. Uh, you know, the drama at the end. I mean, oh, crazy. For those guys who may or may not be F1 fans, I don't know, pandemonium, but fact, Max Verstappen cruising at 200 mile an hour down the straight, boom, left tire just blows up. Not, no indication as well was was made by the technical team that there was any tire pressure imbalances or any load issues or anything. That was perfectly fine. Bang, just explodes. Egos crashes. Well, could, you know that could have resulted in a, you know in a really serious injury, serious collision. Let alone put the you know other drivers at risk thanks to essentially faulty tires. But it didn't just happen to him. That happened to Lance Stroll as well. Yeah, happened to him. Yeah, same tire, same, same almost same part of the track. Literally, almost like a carbon copy of events. So yeah, Panorama. And then when they did, and then you all thought, okay, they're going to have a safety car out. They're going to end the Sergio Perez is uh, is going to win the Grand Prix. Hamilton was going to finish in second. Vettel as well was also in third. He would have been like in a podium as well. And um, you know they red flagged it, restarted the race. Hamilton balls out as I mean he's probably got the quickest car off you know off the mark in, on the grid. Locks up and he goes straight on. Doesn't he? I thought Jesus H Christ. There's just he does yeah he 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 hit a switch didn't he yeah he, uh, he hit a switch on his uh, on, on his steering wheel so he pushes a switch which, which is what they call the magic switch uh, they call it so I think it 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 does something with the the, the front brakes all, um, all I can think of is like you know with the magic switch you know that you know that film is it click with Adam Sandler yeah 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 he, he just pushes the button and like <laughs> he's just like manipulate everything around it I mean. That's what I want. I want. I want the, the the click remote. But we digress. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, but you, you saw in the restart, um, the the smoke coming off of Hamilton's brakes. I just yeah. thought to myself, I, I mean, that's 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 obviously not good because it was all the smoke coming off his. There was a little bit of smoke off Perez's, you know, just just next to him. But no one else had, you know, had all this smoke coming out. I just thought, is his brakes going to work? And then, of course, because he overshot it, I thought, oh, my God, his, his brakes aren't working. This, this guy's going to go flying into the wall. But Again, I thought, yeah, out, similar. He hit the sw- wrong switch. Yeah, he, you know, he hit the wrong switch. And and the good thing is, is you know, he kind of done it. And, you know, so many people could have blamed X, Y, and Z and sort of kind of like, you know, rest on the laurels a little bit. And he, you know, he turned around the radio straight away. I'm so sorry, guys. You know, I've, I've messed up. And I thought it was really good of him to come out and be like, that's completely, you know, that's completely on me. Yeah, um, absolutely, and you know, another only, demonstration, like, demonstration of like good yeah. sportsmanship. That's what we want to see. Yeah, but like you said, like Vettel came second, first ever podium for for the Aston Martin team, which is fantastic. It was good to see him up there racing, um, you know, and Perez as well getting his first win for Red Bull. So it's a lot better than just the normal. Well, it's going to be Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton one two, well, other way. But I do want to give a shout out. Not a positive one for Valtteri Bottas, who finished way down the order in the other Mercedes. I don't know what's going on. Whether they've, I've, I've just got a feeling that you know they kind of don't really want him in the team. They want Lewis, and they they want to get someone else. They've just gone, yeah, let's just turn his engine down a, a little bit because he was nowhere near. I I, I didn't get it. I yeah, I, it yeah. Was I, bizarre. I thought you know for someone like Bottas, you know, previous world champion, like. He, He's a good driver in, in, in his own right. And, you know, last season and the season before, like every sort of one and two was, was, was between him and him and Lewis. And it does seem the season, for whatever reason, he's not getting the rubber to green and particularly sort of on a on a technical level. So we're not really happy, happy, sure what's happening there at Mercedes. And we're not really sure, you know, but it does seem that, you know, especially over this season, that it's, although obviously, yeah, as we say, it, it's highlighted more in Bottas, 
it's also creeping into Hamilton and he's been very critical of the of sort of his his team his backroom staff the engineering staff around Mercedes on on his car but this I think what was interesting was obviously Verstappen if he if if he'd won that race would have gone 15 points clear you know because at the time uh, that it happened to Verstappen Hamilton wasn't getting any points so it then was in a case when they did the red red flag and the restart you thought hang on a minute Hamilton could actually, you know, overtake Verstappen again and just almost get that to uh, bridge that gap. Now, no, neither of them's taken up points when you know they're up for grabs. What does this mean for the championship? Only you know, time will tell. But absolute pandemonium in Baku, and I'll be interested to see what happens and sort of the investigation between obviously the relative teams and Pirelli and uh, and the and the suppliers because I think more. Look, push the championship to one side when things go wrong and you know teams like, like Red Bull said we didn't even pick that up because there was on our sense nothing wrong that can result in serious accidents you know serious collisions you know people get injured all sorts of stuff can go on and that's not what we want to see in sport yeah I completely agree completely agree I mean that's straight on back here you know in back here and I'm I'm experienced race car driver and what I mean by that is I've played Formula One uh, a lot and that, is, <laughs> and that straight just feels like it goes on forever and to be honest I, I, I'm surprised the accidents um, were as, as minimal as they were if that makes sense so, you know at that sort of speed I thought they would have been you know smashed to pieces but the cars held up well and you know safety's come a long way in there and I think we saw the results of that so Absolutely. you know it's like positive they both walked away from the car and uh I think Pirelli were blaming some debris, but I mean, I mean, you would do, wouldn't you? But no, no, I didn't, I didn't say, I didn't say those tires. What are you on about? Uh, they went, oh no, you must have had a nail in them or something. Like you're just coming out of all the excuses. Speaking of speaking of, you know what should have, what people have been saying, or what people haven't been saying, or or what have you. I think it's a good time that we come on to one of the biggest stories of the week. Ladies and gentlemen at home, you've probably picked this up on some, but well, just not just sports news, but you know, big news in general. News coming out in the world of cricket. Uh, Ollie Robinson, England debutant, uh, this week uh, essentially just gone, has been suspended by the ECB after historic uh, tweets and so the media posts. Uh, some racist and sexist. Although, be it whether he was made, uh, made when he's 17, 18. So, we're talking 10 years ago historically. He has been suspended by all forms of cricket by the ECB, uh, both in, in both England and Wales. Another player today has come out in the news to be investigated for similar offences of racist and sexist tweets. Uh, apparently, though, this time made between the uh, between the athletes' ages of 12 to 16. So, weirdly. Because they were made at that time, that player can't be named, uh, although he's no longer obviously a minor. Uh, Ross, what's our first reaction to this? What's our fir- first thoughts? Stunning yeah. debut. Can I, before we could do, stunning <laughs> debut by Ollie Robinson taking seven wickets, by the way, on his debut. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I mean, he absolutely delivered, you know, for a debut. And I just thought, it, for me, it's just so difficult. I almost feel people kind of sit on these tweets for years and they all come out, you know, like this guy's just made his debut, you know, I bet he's buzzing, put a great performance and then bosh, like now, now you're suspended. Now, look, 
you know, we, we've said this before plenty of times, there is absolutely no room for, you know, racism and sexism in sport. Now, I know we could say, yes, it was 10 years ago, but, you know, either way, it's still not acceptable. The, the difference is, I, I, there's a, I'm going to be all cliche now, but there's, there's a song by the Chainsmokers. Um, it's called Everyone Hates Me. And there's a line in it which just sticks to me all the time. And it says, why do I have to mean everything I ever said? Right. So what he said 10 years ago does not necessarily reflect who he is now and what his beliefs are now. Because I just personally feel like like 10 years ago, he would have probably been young, naive, not really understood kind of what, you know, how people are going to take those words. Slightly different with racism. You know, uh, and I think this is where I come back to saying, you know, it, you know, they did have to do something because, you know, it's not like 10 years ago, racism was fine. Of course it's not. But, you know, it, it has come a long way and he would have learned a lot more. You know, he would have had black teammates, you know, you know, and he would have seen these sort of kind of forms of racism. And, and I absolutely believe he, he, he know you know he doesn't reflect that now he doesn't believe in any of that you know he he was embarrassed he's you know he was disappointed yeah you know, I'm, I'm rightly so and you know but does does he need to be suspended I kind of I kind of feel yeah they, they have to do something or or you know or fine him you know it, you know he came out and said you know he, he didn't deny it he said yeah I you know I did I'm embarrassed I you know I've and that doesn't reflect who he is now. So we're effectively punishing someone for kind of being ed- uneducated 10 years ago. So I think for me, yes, they had to do something, but I'm not sure if suspension was was the right thing. Um, but, you know, I've read and said it, apparently more tweets have come out. So, you know, what they are, I don't know. How offensive they are, I don't know. Um, but, you know, people are offended at different parts. So, you know, what I would be offended by would, maybe be different to what you were offended by sure. so you know it, it is difficult so you know for me I feel like I had to do something but you know he's come out he's apologized okay suspend him for however long give him a fine but after that I think you've got to draw a line under it because you know like you said that doesn't reflect who he is now here's um, for me though here, there's a couple of things on this this for me right so first of all first of all is yes okay we know that these tweets or yeah they were if they were tweets uh they happened 10 years ago right so firstly my question is the timing so if they happened that long ago why are we why is somebody waiting uh you know until the the day after his debut which he's had a very successful debut you know likely yeah. he was likely to be selected for the second test against new zealand and rightly so based on based purely on performance so again the timing of it i always question in that somebody's obviously been sat on them and someone has a vendetta or somebody's looking to do something against it, against Ollie Robinson, right? Because they've had all the opportunity prior because he would have played county cricket, would have played all sorts of different levels of, of, of cricket and at no point did they go, yeah, should probably probably send this to the press by now. We should probably make someone aware. So, yeah, again, I question sort of the timing. Secondly, I just want to say, look, the thing that honestly, I don't know, it does fuck me off, right? We as a podcast are very outspoken on, on our thoughts on racism. There's no place for it in sport whatsoever, right? And same with sexism. There's no place for it in sport. You know, there's no place for it for our society, right? But here's the thing. 
we always want people, we always hear calls for we need to educate people, we need to tell people, we need to acknowledge that, you know, they need to acknowledge that it's wrong. And, you know, we need to educate, we need to go for programs, we need to stamp it out. Okay. For all we know, Ollie Robertson was brought up in a racist environment. He was brought up in, you know, you know, nature versus sort of nurture sort of thing. He's around people who see no issue with that and therefore he adopts those characteristics. He matures as a human, as a man, as a sportsman, realises they were wrong and he's come out and he's apologised and that's not enough. Now, I don't really know what we want from Body Robinson now because... He's he's you know he said he's demonstrated that he's not that person anymore. He's not a racist. He's not saying you know he he's he's got black teammates. He's played against against people, you know of 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 ethnicity. Now I don't really know what more he needs to do apart from apologise. Like look, I was seventeen. You know I, I tell you I tell you what I'm twenty seven. Fuck me. Some of the things I did when I was seventeen. I'm, I'm in, you know I'm embarrassed. I was, do you know what, do you know what I had a thought of the other day, bro? I tell you what I had a thought of the other day. I speak to one of my I speak to one of my mates. And I said about some of the things that, you know, when you go on like nights out when you were a kid and like some of the stuff I wouldn't even dream of doing now. Wouldn't even dream of it. Yeah. Like, for example, like I remember when I was like, you know, 18 and all sorts of going up town having a drink and like you would just randomly walk past a girl and like grab her, you know, grab, grab some ass. And I'll, you know, I'll admit it, like you know, grab some ass or, or whatever or um, like go into, like go into, to, kiss these girls or you know can I get a drink and like, I wouldn't even dream of doing that now I wouldn't even dream of it because I know it, like you know women aren't aren't there for that you know they need to be treated with more respect um you know I have no right to sort of touch that but but at the time when I was you know when I was 17 18, I thought yeah there's nothing wrong with it everyone else is doing it like there's nothing wrong with it right I now know that's unacceptable and therefore don't do that and that should be enough I can apologise for my behaviour before, but like, where do we start drawing the line? Same with like racism. Like, well, I'd never, you know, I just don't, I just don't accept racism at, at all. But you can't say we want people to be educated and people to admit they're wrong. And when someone and when someone does come out that, nah, it's not good enough. You need to never play for England again. I go, well, what, what are we looking for from Ollie Robinson? I don't understand. Yeah, I, I think I think you raise a real valid point there. Of you know, if, if you've been brought up in that environment where, you know, you hear other people making racist comments or making sexist comments and then you kind of, you think it's acceptable, you know, you could hear, look, this might, this could obviously well not be the case, but, you know, if he's got a granddad who said, uh, you know, whatever made a racist comment and no one's called, you know, no one's called, called, him, out, called him out on it, he's obviously thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, like you said, then you, you like that's your environment, and you're naturally gonna just pick that up and assume that that's fine. Now, but like like you said, education has come a long way. You know, we've we you know by people coming out and saying how they feel, what they find offensive. You know, society changes so much. I mean, you know, you've got um, you know like different like pronouns now, like how people want to identify as 10 years ago that, that wasn't that wasn't Mate, a it didn't thing. exist Mate, it, didn't it, exist, it, it? it wasn't it wasn't a thing and look if people want to identify as whatever they want to identify as and that makes you happy look i'm happy for you that you do you um you know and i'll do my best to you, you know like like with sam smith and you know demi lovato they've changed their pronouns to they right 
and that's fine if you want to do that, that's fine but you know if i come across and was like like hi mate how are you like judge on appearance that's just my my cycle that's naturally just what i will do you know yeah. and that's something i'm trying to like try and i'm trying you don't, not you to don't, do because you don't I, start a conversation by going sorry just before we continue can we just confirm the pronouns please so you just don't do that like no no you neither are, should you, you? no and it make you know it makes you think twice but what what I'm trying to get at is 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been a thing. So I, you know, I wouldn't have gone, hi, mate, you know, how are you? And if they, you know, they would have gone, actually, I'm, I prefer to, you know, be known as X, Y, and Z. That's fine. Oh, look, look, I'm really sorry. But what he would have said, you know, it, because we haven't seen the tweets. So that's a big hard, point here. Yeah, we haven't seen the tweets, you know. If, if it's like, oh, I really hate, black, Asian, ethnic minorities, you know. I mean, yeah, like, 10 years ago, we're not saying, oh, no, that wasn't racist 10 years ago. Of course yeah, we're not saying racist. it was acceptable, that's, but... Uh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. But what he would have said 10 years ago might not be what he stands for now. I mean, you know, what his his missus could be black or mixed race, you know. I, I, I don't think we don't, don't, we don't is, know. But, but she could be, but we don't know. So here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I was thinking, and, and here's an analogy as well. I heard, so I heard, saw so, so some way. No, no, I'm not, and I'm still trying to work my way through it. But someone talked about Anthony Joshua, right? And somebody said about how he was in an environment where you know he was obviously getting up to no good, and he was a young kid, and he got into a lot of trouble, and he got into boxing, and he got into sport, and it's basically changed his life. And he's obviously a very different man than what he is now, and he obviously no longer is you know gets into those those sorts of issues. And you know, I mean, he doesn't really fucking need to. He's a heavyweight world champion in the world. But the point being is he was been in an environment which was no good for him. He yeah. has taken himself out of that, and he understands. And he's quite critical of that environment, saying how, you know, if I didn't get out of there, I would probably be in prison. Now, the point I'm trying to make is we don't know whether or not Oi Robinson was in, a, you know, not the similar environment, but an environment that would have influenced his way of thinking, his his speech, his way of stuff that he posts and what have you. And it's a point when you're in that environment, it's very difficult to know whether or not it's right or wrong. And you know, there'd be one people. Oh no, 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 no! It is like if everyone around you, if say, if all your peers are saying, "Yeah, this is what we do. This is the right thing to do." Unless somebody's calling you out on it, you know, it's, how are you to know any different? And I think, and that only comes through experience, maturity. You know, going into different environments, like he would have done playing cricket and obviously playing, you know, in you know, uh, professional and international cricket, and actually turning around and going, "No, I think the point being is." You know, which would have had more, would it have had more effect on, let's say, five, let's say he knew they were wrong. Let's say they, he knew these tweets were wrong five years ago. And if he came out and he went, yeah, by the way, guys, I know I've gone through my tweets and from fucking five years ago, and there's some racist and sexist tweets on there, and I just want to apologize, would that have the same effect as what's happening now? And I really don't think it would. People go, okay, fair enough. But why is that any different? When did sorry become not enough? Yeah, I think I think there's, there's probably two things I think I would mention is that the first thing is is no one's going to go back through their tweets for the last 10 years. If they're active on social media, they're going to be there for months. You know, I he probably didn't... I mean... He probably didn't remember, to be honest. I mean, the last time I tweeted, I couldn't even tell you what I tweeted, when I tweeted. I've no idea, right? So... I mean, that's just that's just one point. I think he probably. I'll tell you what, the last thing I tweeted. Remember Russ. making them. 
I'll tell yeah. you the last thing I tweeted, right? These fucking belters going on about the Gymshark 50% sale. I'm going, I bought loads on 50 Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? You know, they ain't gonna they ain't gonna feel like your your curly whirly arms anyway. Like Jesus H Christ, get, have a day off. No yeah. one cares what you're wearing to the gym. Anyway, that was yeah. just me I had to tweet about it, get it off my chest. Um, yeah, yeah, you did. But the thing is, like, like he said, he was embarrassed. Like, if he saw someone tweet that now, he, I, I, I very strongly suspect he would have, is reported it, called the person out. That's disgusting, and yeah, and so on and so on. So you know, I don't think it's a, it's an accurate reflection of of who he is now. Right, but I think I agree. it is. But I think it is important. There is some sort of punishment. I don't think we can then just Do say, "Oh, it was." Te- yeah, I do. Because I, I don't think we can sit here and say, oh, it was 10 years ago. It doesn't matter. But actually... Well, uh, I suppose my, but, my question to you, because, where do we draw the line? Because I go back, I, I, the point I'm trying to, you know, I keep trying to reiterate is, you know, just as we talk, we're, we're quite open and we're quite, uh, we talk and we're very big supporters of sort of, you know, like the kick it out movement and the Black Lives Matter movement and all these bits and, you know, all these good things that are trying to help, you know, promote ethnicity and diversity in sport and also you know, quite rightly as a label would kick out racism. The point being is, you know, what they, the, the things they stand for in terms of acknowledgement, education, respect, apologies and all sorts. I, to me, Ollie Robinson has demonstrated all those so far. And it's like, yeah, well, well, we still, well, we still want to punish you harshly. It's like, well, I don't understand. What, what, what is the aim here? Because he's done what you want to do and it's not enough. So I yeah, don't know what, I just, the, I don't I, know what the, the end game is. Yeah, no, I, I feel they've gone too far. I mean, I, well, but well, this is po- the thing. Po- because, because we don't, in. Yeah, but we don't know what the tweets say. We exactly. don't know what the tweets say. If, you know, it, I'm not excuse, you know, we're not excusing racism, of course we're not, but there are different levels of racism. Do you know what I mean? Like, racism is just racism, like, regardless. But there, you know, there's one end of the spectrum, just like, you know, like KKK and all this, but he might have just said something which he wouldn't yeah. have thought he wouldn't have thought would have been racist. And actually, as it transpired in this day and age, that is actually a bit a bit of a racist comment. Like I say, you know, times times have changed, but I don't I don't think we should suspend him from everything else. But then I think to myself, I can't say let's not punish him if the tweets then come out and say, oh, you know, I absolutely hate black ethnic and minorities and Asian, you know, that, yeah, then absolutely, of course, yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. There needs to be some sort of punishment, but... I'm very interested, know, though, on the person who leaked it. Ago. I'm very interested in the person who leaked it because, you know, you are essentially, like, I'll be honest with you, in my, my opinion, yes, you know, if they're racist and sexist, that needs to be dealt with. That issue does need to be dealt with. And, you know, that... That, that that's the point we're trying to make here but you are still messing with somebody's life and you know whether or not you think that's right or wrong based on their actions you know it's the same with the thing is it's like you know when people go to prison right the point being is they get a sentence you know they get given a sentence they go for their rehab process they you know get rehabilitated they come back and join society you know, and then after that, it's like, no, I'm done now I've done my time and I need to be you know, I'm, I'm a member, so that, that's the point it's like you know, we're no longer here to mess with people's lives. If they've apologised, they've gone through a process and all sorts. Let's let them do that. 
let's not continue to mess with this guy because ultimately you're affecting his his career, you're affecting his chance to play for England. And obviously England want good quicker as well. It's like he's taken seven wickets on his debut. Like, of course you want him in your side. So look, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, look, I, for yeah, me, what's his space? Yeah, for me, by all means, if you don't take the process, you know, but let's take let's let's show a little bit of level headedness. They're ten years ago. If he said sorry, if he's gone for a process of education and what have you, he's come out. Well, that should show for me. That should be enough. And you know, if you have to give him a, a match fine, or you know, or you have to give him a match ban, so be it. But don't let it dictate the rest of his career because I don't think that's fair. To be honest. Um, but anyway, let's move on. Let's move on from from our Robinson, and we're sure to keep updated with that story. Ross, what's coming up? What's coming up? For, what's coming up next for you? Next for me, I think, is uh, the Fed, the goat himself, pulling out of the uh, out of the French Open to, to focus <laughs> on his fitness for for Wimbledon. I love I, that. Um, yeah, I I don't get the uproar. I, I don't get the uproar about this. Like you know, this guy is just he's just coming off the back of two knee surgeries, right? He's thirty nine years old. You know, he's playing to empty stadiums at midnight. At, like. What? Why? I, I I don't get the I don't get the uproar about it. And you know, um, you know the other goat himself, Andy Murray, uh, that the party starts for himself. You know, he raised a point on Twitter. In, Imagine going to an Andy Murray party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I said more laughs at a funeral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for me, he hit the nail on the head with his tweet. You know, he you know he tweeted saying, you know, uh, Federer's 99, two knee surgeries. Someone tweeted him back saying, I think it's disrespectful, you know, to other players. And Andy Murray kind of come back to him and said, you know, look, in basketball, football, etc., when returning from injury, players are given reduced minutes to build their fitness, which they are. In tennis, you don't have that luxury. You know, you don't you don't play one set and then two sets, and then three sets, and then four. It, it doesn't go that way. You literally straight back into the deep end. And I think that's probably... Do you think, though, here's a point, though, just on that point. Do you even, yeah. do you think that's a fair comparison, that you can compare that in that like that road to recovery? Because you could arguably say, you'd be like, okay, don't don't take part in a Grand Slam event then, take part in a in another tournament, you know, with reduced sets, you know, because there are, like, for example, Eastbourne, which is, you know, traditionally held before Wimbledon, is, yeah. uh, is best out of three rather than best out of five. So that could be an example of sort of, you know, reduced game game time. So I'm not, I get what Andy's saying. I get what Andy's saying. I'm not necessarily sure you can sort of sort of compare the two because, you know, an individual I sport think, versus team sport. But I get what you're uh, saying that. I don't know. I, I think you can just because the games are a long period of time. And I do agree with you that, that Eastbourne would have been perfect for him. And whether he does or not is obviously, you know, re- remains to be seen. But... You know, there is no, there is no sort of period from coming back from injury and just slowly getting some game time in. I mean, yeah, of course you should practice, but I don't imagine these guys going to practice for a four or five hour game. Uh, I don't think there's really sort of like substitute for it. So I just, yeah, like I, I understand why he's done it. For me, go to East. I just love how it's the biggest two warm-up. fingers up to the French and going, yeah, screw you, France. I'm going to just obviously put my focus on Wimbledon because oh, I mean, let's be fair, in tennis, it's the one they all want to win. Uh, yeah, and to be honest, right. the way the way that they tried to find Naomi Osaka, which touched upon last week, uh, fuck them basically. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's what as Stuart Kafar. We were we were obviously critical, critical of, of them on last week's pod. So yeah, fuck you, French Open. You brought us upon yourselves. Um, look, I, I think to myself with Roger Federer, though, and uh, probably this is for sportsmen in general that maybe you know they want to come back too soon, and that's the problem with injuries. You always want to get back playing as soon as you can, but. Sometimes you just got to say no. I've got to listen to my body and, and sort of take that time and, and get a rest. I don't. I think the difference is is if you retire in tennis. I mean, I mean, I mean, retire from a tournament through injury. That's one thing. But retiring from a grand let's let's not forget a Grand Slam tournament uh, being the French Open to then say yeah, thanks very much for having me, but I just want to go play in another tournament. Like, and I really want to, I really want to win that. Like that is a bit of a like a bigger two fingers, isn't it? But at the same time, you try to you try to find an athlete for for suffering with depression. So go fuck yourself, French Open. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I know I know we're saying it's a Grand Slam, but yeah, fuck you, French Open. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to be a title on this episode. Uh, <laughs> right, moving <laughs> on to that pop- one sorted. Yeah, tick. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on to <laughs> boxing now. Of course, it was the oh, well, it's the anticipated exhibition match between uh, Floyd the Money Mayweather uh, and Logan Paul. Logan Paul did go controversially, I might add, the distance of the eight rounds of the exhibition match because no knockout, ladies and gentlemen, no actual winner was declared. Uh, which obviously would have been Mayweather first because of yeah Mayweather in it. Uh, but did you watch it, Ross? Do we, do we even give a shit? Like, what's our thoughts? Nope, and nope. It's just Fair a farce. Enough. Absolute farce. Um, fuck them, basically. I mean, Mayweather, I mean, I saw some in the press conference of Floyd Mayweather. I mean, I don't know how much he's made from that fight, probably like 100 million. But he was, he was sponsoring his shorts with like, for like one square on his shorts, 30 million. Like, I just, oh, I don't know. Dog shit, Leon. I, it makes me I think don't... to myself. I mean, it makes me think. I wish I got into boxing when I was younger. I mean, one, it would have saved me getting knocked out so many times, uh, and two, it might have made me a, a cut of quid on the side. But hey, we live and learn. The only fighting I ever do is on Tekken, uh, or Mortal Kombat. Actually, the more I'm in a big Mortal Kombat mood at the moment. Um, That's probably but... more realistic than that stage shit on the weekend, anyway. Yeah, it probably would. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, somebody with swords coming out of their arms and chopping people's heads off, that realistic. Uh, but who knows? They might be out there somewhere. Um, right. Football news. Big news coming out of the FA today. Big Debbie Hewitt. Big up, Debbie. You're, well, you're probably going to get here of the week as well. Named, is set to be named, rather, as the first female chair of the FA Big steps in football in terms of diversity and equality, especially as well, seeing more women, uh, not just obviously not just in the game, but more at the high level that, you know, the, in the boardrooms, which have lacked over the sort of the last pff, however many years in, in professional football. Good move for the English football, Ross? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Love, love to see it. Um, you know, fair play. That's what, that's what we need. We need diversity, fresh ideas and you know, we're going to get, well, hopefully, we're going to get, you know, a, a different aspect of the grassroots football as well, you know, from a from a female and how, you know, what she sees and what she would have done kind of going through, um, you know, the grass grassroots level and, 
and everything else. So, yeah, positive, you know, real encouraging. It's uh, it's a good step for, you know, other women that potentially in the FA that, you know, they can get the big jobs. And, you know, the same for, for women across the world. So, yeah, I mean, positive for me. Um, same for you, Leon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my only criticism of, of Debbie so far was, you know, the shocking blowers that she wore. I'll be honest. Oh, it my like God. A, it, it, it looked like a stagecoach uh, uh, <laughs> seat cover. Debbie, I joke. Of course, I do a lot. I'm, you know, I'm just, I was trying a bit of bad. But actually, Debbie, you know, we think this is definitely a good move for, for football in general. And as you say, it will pave a way for, for, for more women and, you know, to get involved in the sport. My only concern is, you know, one of the things that we, when women particularly, and, you know, for example, we've seen it in rugby, uh, we've seen it in tennis, and we've seen it in, 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 in cricket as well now. You know, one of the things that they say is that they want to promote more funding into grassroots, into women's sport. 100% agree that needs to happen. That's not, that's not a negotiable, but that has to happen. The problem what we do see, though, is... Where there's only so much money in the pot. Now, if you're taking money yeah. out of the men's game, and you know, okay, if that needs to happen, right? But the problem you get is most of these organizations are funded based on their performance. So if you take money from the from the you know, for example, I was reading something um about the Canadian women's sevens team, actually. This was about a couple of weeks ago, it just reminded me. And um, they're, they wanted to go on strike. And I totally agree. I totally agree with why they want to strike. Because they're basically like, we don't get anything. Like, we don't really, like, we don't get looked after. We don't get money. We don't get, like, we're struggling for kit. You know, we're struggling for travel expenses. You know, they're, they're being like, pretty piss poor treated, to be honest. And I totally uh, agree with, with their movement. The difficulty that Canada's got, especially in terms of rugby, is they plow all their money into their men's 15s team. Because even the men's sevens team as well, like even the Canadian sevens team, they're treated like shit as well. But the reason being is because they plow all their money into the men's 15s because they absolutely have to, to qualify for the World Cup. Because if they don't qualify for the World Cup, Canadian rugby implodes. Like, it will be liquefied. There will be nothing left. They have they don't have a pot to piss in. And they are solely reliant on the money the World Cup gives them or just from entering the World Cup. That, that helps fund everything else. So it's a catch-22 in that respect that... Yeah, they want you know if Canada had the money, they would support their sevens teams, but they have to put it in their men's just to get some money anyway, and that's the problem. That's one of the well, not problem, but just as consideration is by all means, you know, like, people listen to this podcast. Oh, there's shit loads of money in football. Yeah, in private clubs there are like you know, but yeah. in terms of in terms of the unions, there's not masses. There's not the the billions that you see in the Premier League, for example. So that's my only c- caution. But nonetheless, if we smash the Euros, it don't matter, is it? Because it's coming up. But yeah, 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 it is coming up. Yeah, I just, but, I think it's going to give us a new perspective at the top I, of the FA, and I think that's I that's encouraging and positive. I agree, mate. I agree, and I, you know, I think this is a good thing. What I'm interested as well is to see what this means. That we're seeing, you know, the chair of the FA now as 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 a woman. Um, I'm sure she identifies as a woman. Again, we don't want to make any assumptions, Debbie. We don't want to offend you we, or what have you. But um, what this might see in, again, in more sort of men's teams, or we're going to see more women coaches in men's teams, maybe women's managers or, you know, who, who knows? Um, but it's a first step, first positive step. 
And uh, Debbie, we wish you all the best. Uh, yeah, shout. Right, is it time to move on to our big tackle, Ross? I think so. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you believe it or not, here at Tackle Podcast, we absolutely believe it's coming home. And it um, is coming home. I, I can't take it anymore. Like you know, I, every time, every time there's a major tournament, I remember the last World Cup. I was got so excited, and you know, we got to we, we got to the uh, semi-finals rather against Croatia. And I genuinely believe. I thought, oh my god, am I going to see England win a major tournament in my lifetime? And Oh, I just get so excited. Um, you know, I've got the wall chart out. I've got the sticker book. You know, I've got my England T-shirt ready to rock and roll. Um, I haven't got one of those like car flags, though. I don't want to be accused of a racist, but... Uh, I don't even oh, my God. Do you remember them? They were everywhere, weren't they? I remember they were pretty epic. Had, like, two either side. They were hilarious. They were everywhere, weren't they? They were, but yeah, mate, it's... Uh, look, guys, we won for know... so bin them. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Once soon as England go out on penalties to, to the Germans, they're straight in the bin. But ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, it's been delayed by year thanks to coronavirus, but we're finally here. You know, we're on the brink of Euro 2020. Kicks off on junior 11th with the big powerhouses of European football, Turkey, Vietnam. I actually use that term loosely. I'm not sure sort of Turkey could spell football. <laughs> um, but anyway, Ross... Are we? Are you looking forward to it? What's your thoughts? What's your memories of Euro, of the Euros? Go ahead. Oh, I can't wait! I cannot wait! I'm so excited. It's almost uh, up there with with the World Cup. I don't think you can top the World Cup, but I mean, just underneath it is is the Euros, isn't it? I just, you know, just just look at the teams that we've had at old had of old rather, and seeing them all kind of line-up and you know some of the names that have played with us before it's just how we haven't how we haven't won the Euros it's just crazy when you I, think of some I mean, of the players and teams we've had it is honestly mind-blowing yeah like, how, is, how is Greece England. how is Greece won the Euros and England hasn't someone explain well, that's that to what me mean. You, you, yeah, you name me five elite players that have played for Greece you know Passoff Opelopoulos rather than Gregor Samaras uh, Miguel Costa Lopilopilos. Yeah, uh, get off, get off, get off Google. Uh, but, I mean, uh, I, mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm just making these up from like the letters I got from Scrabble, but yeah, but like, but but, uh, but that's the thing with sport, isn't it? Like Greece have won, Greece have won, and we haven't. And you look, you just look at the names that have played for us before. You know, David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, Gaza. Yeah, you know, all these legends that have played, and just you know, we just lit lit the screen up watching them play and oh yeah I mean all my memories are kind of from just seeing the elite teams and just the kind of disappointment really if you know what I mean you know every 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 year we've had a good side and you know we crash out to Iceland you think yeah brilliant we've got Iceland we're you know we're going through and then we crash out um but yeah I don't I I don't know about you I've just got a different feeling this year I I just feel really positive I've been asked the question a lot from different people of you know who who do I think is going to win the Euros and you know and like genuinely and I genuinely, I genuinely think England's going to win it and I think that for look I, th- I think we've said before on this podcast that when you look at the best teams in the world 
the last 20 years, the one can one thing that they've all had in common is they've strategically and successfully built their youth teams and they've transitioned a lot of those youth players into yeah. their first team. And now England finally have cracked it and they've actually finally done. I mean, I've never known a tournament so far which has caused so much debate, not just who should play in the first 11. No, 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 no. Who should make the squad? Yeah, and since that... when have we been in a position? What a headache to have. Yeah, Honestly, speaking what of... What a headache. Yeah, speaking of which, right, just want to make attention, unless I suppose our first talking point of this Euro's big tackle, Ben White called up after England's uh, 1-0 win against Romania. Ben White of Brighton called up to replace the injured Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent obviously missing out for injury, picked up against that 1-0 win over Austria with a quad tear. Right man for the job? Or are you were you thinking someone else was going to get called up? Well, I mean, it's sort of done Gareth a favour, really, because we had about 800 right-backs in the squad. So, um, yeah. I, I think... <laughs> I'm sure if some of us were available, you know, he would pick them. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, Dixon didn't get a phone call. But <laughs> Dicko! I, yeah, I, for me, I, I think I probably would have gone with Ward-Prowse. Um, just for another kind of a central holding midfielder. But I just get the vibe that I think Gareth is happy with, you know, his midfield and, and, and attack, hence bringing in, the, in another defender. Because he probably didn't need to bring another defender in. Um, you know, he could have quite easily gone uh, Lingard or, or, or Prowse. Um, but, I mean, for me, that's personal preference. If, if you drop a defender and you bring the defender in, and yeah, bring him then why? I think he, he's, he's pretty solid. But for me, I maybe would have just gone with Ward-Prowse. Um, what about you, Leon? I think, would you... I think, I think that with, with Ben White, I think what he offers is some versatility in that, you know, he can pretty much play across the whole of the back back four, uh, all within sort of, well, I suppose, you know, Back three, back three, maybe if that's what they could do with. Well, it depends on the formation, of course, whether or not they're playing a back three or back three wing backs or back four. I think they will play a traditional back back four. I think that is what works where, uh, best for England, especially when Harry Maguire is fit and he is included in the squad. Harry Maguire is slabbed and uh, it, it does look like he will make the tournament, which is great news for England. I am. I think the problem that. England, we spoke against before, is that England don't necessarily know their best midfield. Now, you put James Ward-Prowse or you put Jesse Lingle in, you're just adding more confusion to that midfield. Yeah. So I think, actually, as much as people at home are going, oh, I should have Jesse Lingle, also, it's like, well, fuck, you can't decide on, you know, the guys already. So would you rather play it a little bit more safe? Yeah. Do you know what? I would have probably liked to see him in a different striking option because... As much as I like Harry Kane, I don't. You know, Harry Kane's the, the boy for England, isn't he? He's he's our best player, and he be will be integral. To he's going to bring it home, mate. He will bring it home. I'm, I'm absolutely certainly will. Uh, but what happens if either he needs a rare, he gets injured, or let's hope he doesn't. You know, what are your other striking options? Yeah, we've got sort of Dom Calvert Lewin, we've got Rashford, Sterling as well. But I would have probably liked to see either Ollie Watkins or Patrick Bamford. I'm a big Patrick Bamford fan. 17 goals in Premier League. Just want to let you know, Gareth, if you're listening. Uh, you've left him out, shit house. But I think this is the best group of young players together. And I think the positive thing is, is even if, as much as we know, look, let's let's not you know bones about Ross. We know it's coming on, but let's not even put that into doubt. But if it 
doesn't come home, this is a young squad. They're probably going to be together as a group for the next, you know, two, three tournaments at least. So well, you look at the next World Cup in two years. Yeah. Oh well, it's all eighteen months. I mean, the like you said, the youth that you've got coming through. I mean, you know, look at the next tournaments. We're gonna have Declan Rice, Phil Foden, Mason Mount, Sancho, Bellingham. They're all gonna get. They're all gonna get better. I. It's a real exciting time. I feel for feel for England. Rashford. What's really mad is like Rashford was captain uh, on the weekend, and he's only twenty three. You just think this what this what you know this is a place that we want to be in as as a squad. Dean Henson, you know, goalkeeper, only 20, 24 himself. So, you know, definitely promise in the future for England and, and this tournament. But look, you know, look, we, we look at the icons of, of years gone by, you know, Euro 96 would always be the iconic uh tournament. Probably not for Gareth Southgate missing the penalty to you know essentially leave us leaving the tournament early. So fuck you, Gareth, make better make up for it. But you know, the likes of Shearer and Gaza doing absolute bits, you know, uh, you got the likes of like David Beckham taking free kicks, Wayne Rooney as well, sort of coming onto the scene. Uh look, there's so many sort of iconic memories for England. I do think this probably this could be a set of summer that it happens. I think what England's biggest advantage is they're pretty much playing at home, aren't they? They're pretty much playing the entire tournament at Wembley, which you know, last time it was last time that was the case, they got to the semi-finals. So let's hope that is the case. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think some of our some of our crowds at, at the game were probably probably one of the best. You know, Wembley's full, it's it's rocking, isn't it? So yeah, I think the home, home I mean, I hope it's not be actually rocking plan. because you know, that's a whole, yeah, maybe you don't not. want to get building control in or anything because, you know, we've had mm. coronavirus, which has put enough of a, uh, you know, a damper on things, let alone them guys. But yeah, I totally agree. The fans will make an absolute massive difference. And if there are travel restrictions and what have you, and we can only allow in- England fans um, into the stadiums, again, that could only go into to our favour. So looking forward to it. Right, Ross, should we take a look at the groups and who will be, you know, essentially who do we think's going to have some of our early predictions of the tournament uh, groups all the way from A through F? Oh, let's just start at Group A, shall we? Why not? Yeah, let's go straight in. Group A, we have Turkey, Italy, Wales and Switzerland. Uh, no, I, I think this could be, I think this could be quite a tricky group. No, I think this could be quite tricky. Imagine if Turkey won that group. Oh my god! No, let's not. That, I mean, that would be insane, wouldn't it? I mean, in a way, I almost don't want Wales to win the group or go through because you'll never hear the last of it. You will hear about it from now until the day you die, like oh, their yeah. Grand Slams and all that, which they remind you about. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But how many World Cups you won, Wales? Oh, interesting. Yeah, just interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just, just wondering, to be honest, but yeah, look, I think, I think it'd be, uh, this will be, this will be, you know, I think it's be more difficult than what people imagine. I don't think it will necessarily be a straight, you know, Italy going, going straight through. I mean, I don't think Italy have got the strongest squad that they probably have had for for a particular while. You know, they're 
to be honest, they're lacking a lot of sort of household names and maybe they are just going through sort of a transition, you know, resurgence phase. But, uh, you know, Wales, Wales have come, I mean, I know they've had sort of issues with the whole Ryan Giggs scenario and, and what have you. Uh, look, that's obviously for, for another time, but Switzerland as well. Look, Switzerland's got a good side. Mbolo up front for them. Yeah, they good, yeah. He's got goals in them, but who's your money on Who'd you see gone one and two? Yeah, I, f- I fancy Italy all, all, all in that group, I think. Um, I think it'll probably be a toss-up between Wales and Switzerland. That is the uh, that is the second game, uh, Saturday at, at two o'clock. Uh, I think whoever wins that finishes second, personally. I'm, uh, uh, kills me, but I'm probably leaning towards Wales. But I wouldn't be surprised if Switzerland uh, come on top. Do you, uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think Italy and Wales definitely. I'm not necessarily sure on the outcome. I'll be honest. This this is what looks to me like one of those groups where actually there'd be a few more draws than anticipated, and yeah, you know, like I say I don't don't see a straight runner in this group. However, when we do look at Group B, very much the opposite: Belgium, Denmark, Finland, the, and the Russians. Belgium straight through three wins from three for me. They probably got one of the most challenging sides in the entire tournament. I think, in, or it was going to be in sort of England's thorn, you know, England sort of, uh, sorry, a thorn in England side rather. But yeah, Belgium, Denmark, I can't see Finland and Russia doing bits. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that one. I mean, the strength and depth Belgium have, I mean, for me, I think, I think well, Belgium are kind of back. coming in as underdogs here. I, that's my only question on Belgium at the back because, I mean, Defence, you know, you look at their midfield and attack, and they're going to have one of the stronger. I mean, they could have, they could play 4 4 2. They could take the midfield and strike strikers off, replace them, you know, brand new players, and it will still probably be better than 80% of the teams. You know, the strength and depth they've got is frightening. Um, but they're dark horses for me. I think, I think they could go well, Belgium. Obviously, it's coming home, so they're going to get. Shit on bias in the final anyway. But. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be in five 0 so I'm lucky Belgium. I'm um, not, not really worried. Danes yeah, as well. The Danes yeah. as well. I think they've they've got them to do a bit. I think Christian Eriksen, the talisman for them. Uh, I, I, I think they're and as we mentioned, uh, Mama Bruno Bolo uh, doing bits as well up front for Denmark. So look, I don't really see Finland or Russia bringing much to the table. I think the problem where you get with Euros when you look at these sort of sides like the Russia, like Finland, is because. And probably something that we'll probably come on to later on in the pod when you know England played the likes of Romania and that Romania aren't they're not good. They're, there's no two ways about it. They're not here to play football. What they're probably here to do is stick six, seven at the back and hope for a counter-attack and nick nick a goal. And that's the problem that you you know, if you are playing international football, you've got that many people, it's very hard to break down, isn't it? So it is, yeah. But I do think Belgium will be too much from Denmark will be uh, will be too much from and uh, straight to going through there. Yeah, agree. And if we uh, move on to Group C, we have. I feel like I'm doing the draw here. In Group C, we have <laughs> number one Austria, um, our second favourite team, North Macedonia. Big up North Holland. Macedonia. Yeah, Holland and Ukraine. Sorry, Holland or the Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yeah. Need Lynch. Um, I mean, Netherlands going through group winners, aren't they? 
I like Janine Lynch, you know, they play some sexy football, you know, they, they you know, they hear with the sexy haircuts and uh, they play the sexy ladies, you know, then, uh, yeah, I think if they play enough sexy football, then uh, they go through. It's called us a goals. Yeah, I'll never, I think, I'll never I think, ever I doing that like, again. Please never do that again. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> to all the best out there, I really apologise on, on on Leon's behalf. Um, but in yeah, all, ser- I, I, I in all seriousness, they could yeah. play some sexy football. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they could. I, th- I think, you know, I think their problem is probably the strength and depth. Um, you know, one or two injuries could be a bit of a, a bit of a challenging one for them, but Look, you know, there's no question, you know, how good they are. I think they win that group comfortably, three out of three. Um, I mean, I mean, who comes second? I mean, I think Austria, Ukraine. I think Austria, Ukraine. Ukraine or, yeah, North Macedonia. I mean, I hope it's North Macedonia. I, I mean, if North Macedonia pod, get through, we oh. love them. Yeah, we love we love North Macedonia on this pod, and if they, if they get through the group, I'll get a North Macedonia shirt straight up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 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 I agree. The Netherlands, uh, I think they're they're straight away. I, and this is why I question with some of these sides, especially coming to. And this is why I think, uh, you know, England, you know, amongst you know, like the likes of Belgium, as we we've, we've alluded to just now, probably have such a, a good chance. Is because the like you know, England and the Belgium have so much depth. Netherlands, a couple of key injuries, especially up top, they're struggling. And uh, you know, if their star man Memphis Depay, you know. Um, gets injured. News coming out today in the media that Donny van der Beek, Manchester United midfielder, will be ruled out of Euro 2023 injury. You know, he's a key component to, to that midfield. So, it's not the Netherlands we're used to. Not the Netherlands of, 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 of old. And, you know, there's so many you know, creative midfielders and, and attackers. And, you know, we, we're obviously come on to who they're going to get next in the next round. Moving on to Group D. The the one that we all want to we all want to see the one we've all been waiting for the one where we essentially know it's coming home we got England's group they're in a group with uh, Croatia the Czech Republic and the old enemy the the jocks Scotland I mean the first up for England is a replay of that of that World Cup semi final Ross it is it is indeed and nothing would make me happier than watching the stuff Croatia with a stupid tea towel kit. Um, Honestly, it's the worst kit at the tournament. It's horrendous, isn't it? What are they? What are they thinking? I know it's on the flag, but maybe you get a what? new flag. Whilst we're on know. it, whilst, whilst, whilst we're on it, right? Whilst we're on it, who do you think? Who do we think's got the best kits of this tournament? Who should? Who should people listen to this pod go? I'm going to go out and buy that kit. And okay, we can't put North Macedonia in there because we already know that's that's top of the list. But if you had to pick three, go. And again, this is again just like the ice cream debate we had last week. There will be some controversy. Oh. Debatable, but we can't go North Macedonia now because they would definitely be number one. That oh, is sexy. Big up North Macedonia, yeah. Big up sexy North Macedonia kit. Oh, well, it's got no, I mean, number one. It's got to be the England, the blue kit, the, the blue England kit. I, I'm I like it. I'm a that. big fan. I, I like that. I like that. Um, I mean, the French kit's pretty naughty. The, the white kit they've got, um, it, with the, the red, white, and blue down the side, that looks that looks a bit naughty. Um, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna throw the Belgian kit in there. I know I'm just big on that, but. You know, with a stripe across the front. Um, I like it. I quite like it. Yeah, what about, what about you, Leon? You, uh... the, only one, the only one for me, I like Germany. I like Germany's home kit. It's a bit... Oh, no. It's, I mean, it's the Germans. Uh, also, Portugal, the nice little collar on there. I like collars on a football shirt. I like it. It's a little bit retro. Um, Spain, I have no idea what's going on there. It's a bit shit. I'm just throwing out there. Car crash, isn't it? it yeah, and... Uh, 
I uh, just yeah, and the rest just look a bit boring and a bit bit plain. But yeah, if I had if I mean if anyone wants to sponsor a tackle podcast, sports are right if you're listening and you want to send us a couple of England shirts or a couple of North Macedonian shirts, uh by all means we will accept those. But going back onto onto the groups, I think this is one for England to go straight through. Although statistic coming at you, Ross, England have never won an opening match of Euros ever. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I'm a bit, lose, a bit of a loser and I've got uh, a lot of spare time on my hands, um, I've actually looked at England's path, you know. So if we if we win the group, yeah, we would have to play whoever comes second in a group with Hungary, Portugal, France and Germany. Which would be Group F for the guys listening at home. So that's Which a tough, would be Group probably F. Group, I mean, probably the group of death of the tournament. Which we will obviously... Uh, come on to um, but you know we finished second in our group um, we play second of Spain Poland Slovakia and Sweden so um, obviously I'd love us to win every game but if, if we don't win one it wouldn't be the worst worst case uh, worst case scenario so, but... so let, let's work it out then let's work it out okay yeah. so let's say we come top of the group we smash everyone yeah. which we probably will 500 now because that's how good we are we're probably going to get the runner up of Group F who do we see out of France, Germany, Portugal, and the powerhouse of European football, Hungary, coming second in that group? Uh, oh, well, <clears throat> I think France won it. I think France won the group. But Germany and Portugal, I mean, uh, on paper, I would say Germany. If you were in England, if you were England, who would you rather play out of Germany and Portugal? I'd rather play the Germans. Probably the Germans, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I would. I mean, yeah. I think Ronaldo himself, you know, you got him, you got Bruno, Ruben, uh, Ruben Diaz, uh, Joao Felix as well. They're all big game players. And, you know, especially in knockout football, it's a different kettle of fish. I think ger- this is probably one of the worst German sides we've probably seen for a decade. And uh, it's really weird to say, knowing how good Germany are. As long as it doesn't go to, to, to penalties, and I think we'd all agree, as long as it doesn't go to penalties, uh, we'll, we'll be in. But yeah, I, I think if I if I was a fan, not well, both as a fan and, and as a somebody as a betting man, I would rather Germany because one, I think we've got more of a chance against Germany, and two, it's that old rivalry, isn't it? It's the Germans in the Euros. What more do you want? Yeah, what, what better way to, to send the Germans pack in? I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it? Be, but, being uh, a 5-1, that'll do. It is, it is. But, I mean, look, I, England are going to, wh- whatever they do, they're going to have some big games, as long as we qualify, that is, you know. So, because if we win our group, okay, yeah, you know, we've got to play the second of, of that group that we've just mentioned. But even if we then come second and play the second out of, Spain, Poland, Slovakia, Sweden. The chances are we're going to have to play the winners of Group F in this case, which is either going to be France, Germany or Portugal. So either way, we're going to be facing the big team. So, you know, do we play them first, get them out of the way? Who knows? For me, let's just win. Well, we're going to win every game. So it's kind of irrelevant. We're going to win every single game uh, and it's coming home. uh, I can confirm. Um, But I mean, who comes second in our group? Croatia, Scotland, Czech Republic. I mean, please don't be Scotland. Oh, mate, can you imagine? Again, just like Wales, if they come second, or even if they get a point against England, you'll just never at the end of it, will you? 
You just no, oh, no. Well, that time in uh, in Euros where we uh, you thought you was going to beat us five 0 You don't have like oh mate, have a day off, like because you could still win the tournament. You could literally win the whole thing, and that would be all they have to say. I think Croatia will be sticky for it. I will. I just do think they are, you know, they're well, sort of well just side, they're good creative midfielders. Obviously, the likes of Modric, Perisic, for example, uh, you know, still in, in, in the fold for them. Czech Republic, same old story with them. They're sort of the whipping boys of our group. But Scotland, but Scotland are doing well in their preparations. You know, they're on a winning run. They've got, a, you know, good group of players now. They've nicked a couple from England. Likes of Scott McTominay, Scott McTominay, Mick Sauce himself, uh, you know, Shea, I believe they're calling him Shea Mick Adams now. Um, you know, they've got some, oh, they're trying to get some yeah, they're starting, I know, mate, they're trying to get some talent across the board. But okay, if we came second, we're probably getting the winner out of Group E, which let's just take a quick look at Group E, last group to cover uh, Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. The likelihood the winner of that. Do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Poland won it because, as you know, another news story coming out today. You know, pandemonium in the in the in the Spanish camp with Sergio Busquets, their captain, be uh, being tested positive for coronavirus. That's put their Euro preparations on hold for a bit. So they're going to maybe come in this tournament undercooked. Poland will be thinking this is a great chance for us to get out of the group, and obviously the likes of Sweden, who now are without. You know the talisman was land. Yeah, it's just, you can see it being a bit of a bit of a struggle in there. I mean, I think I think you hit the nail. I think Poland would be looking at this, thinking, you know, we could, you know, we could have a chance chance of winning this. I mean, they've got to play Spain in the, the second game um, of the group, which is nineteenth of June. I I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, because we you know well. Well, we've you know we've learned in you know, the last eighteen months how quick you know COVID spreads, and I don't know they've got loads of tests on these national teams, and you know you know so forth. But you know there's a couple of Spanish players now that are, you know actually have been tested for tested positive for COVID. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and also, let's not forget. Spain. Let's not forget when we covered what we covered last week in that. They would also be without all the Real Madrid players. So, you know, likes of players that they're used to, likes of players that, you know, likes of Sergio Ramos, Isco, Vasquez, for example, they're all players that are used to playing with all that sort of tournament experience. They no longer have to call upon. Now that there's, you know, some of their leadership team, senior leadership team are unable to, to play because of, because of COVID. They're sort of just have like the worst prep for a tournament. So how that, how that impacts them moving forward is to be seen. But, I'll be honest with you, if I was England and I finished second in our group, I would play any of those sides and fancy chances. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It'd be interesting to see how depleted um, Spain are. But, I mean, the Spanish always play that sort of kind of nice, sexy football, don't they? So, I think they'll probably still have enough. Um, But interesting, nevertheless. I mean, never count the Swedes out. They're a bit, uh, you know, they can be a a bit of a... We've been in the last World Cup, so we've got experience there. Yeah, Let's just is. take a look then. If we get, obviously, get through sort of court volume unscathed, which we will because, you know, it's coming home. Semi-final time, realistically, who are we looking at? Who are we looking? Well, I think we've got the the usual teams of um, the likes from the other side of the draw. Uh, the likes of Denmark. Belgium. I mean, I, whether Denmark go any further, I'm not so sure. But I mean, you know, looking at the teams on the other side of the draw, you know, Italy, 
I mean, you look at the other side of the draw, groups A, B and C, and they're not exactly stacked. So I think, you know, you look at like Belgium, I think they're going to be coming through, Italy, Holland, the only kind of real ones that kind of jump out to you, really. I, I can imagine maybe in Italy or Belgium, I think. And to be honest, I think we would have played tougher teams. I mean, if we get to the semis, we're going to win the whole thing because I think we would have beaten the best teams. Yeah, and that will just breed, you know, breed that confidence. And and I think, you know, I said, for example, France, Germany, and Portugal have to play each other. They will be tough games. Make make no bones about it. They have to. All three of those sides have to go hammer and tongs each other to get through. You know, to call their way out of that group will be difficult. And a big, you know, a big team will be going home very early. That's missed. That's just the way it's going to be. Say, get into the semi final again. You've got, you know, a couple of fixtures where, you know. These these teams will have to pay for. For example, you know the 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 winner of uh, Group A uh, and uh, will have to play for Belgium and Denmark. Well, if 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 Belgium comes second, they're playing Italy it's, again. That's another team, big team gone. So let's say this, yeah. this is a, this is a, this is a, the beauty of tournament football, and this is why we love it so much. And in that, the big teams get to play each other. And not only that, they have to go for it because it becomes knockout football. The only two teams that I'll be honest, you do worry me a little bit. Um, or, or I suppose possible threat probably are Belgium and France pretty much because of their strength and depth we know the depth that Belgium have you know the likes of, of De Bruyne the likes of Lukaku um, Nangolan for example they've got a few Tielmans yeah yeah Yuri Tielmans has been absolutely doing bit, bits for, for for Leicester so uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know whether, got, whether Hazard is fit as well is 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 to be seen. And obviously the French, you know, you've got all, all, all the stars that haven't you? You've got Mbappe, Griezmann, Kimpempe, Kante, uh, Giroud, Hugo Lloris. The list goes on, yeah. Uh, Benzema. Yeah, and yeah, they, they, are, they are probably, well, world champions for a reason, aren't they? So nonetheless, it's going to be an interesting tournament. It's coming home. The Tackle Podcast is ready to follow. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love if England get North Macedonia in the final, to be honest. Yeah, I would. And then I, yeah, then it'd be questionable. I'd probably lean towards England. But that one, I'd want extra time and penalties just so I can admire the North Macedonia kit even more. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, we'll we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, it's Euro time, Ross. It's that time of the, it's that, it's just that time of life where we get excited about tournament football uh, again. So I'm buzzing for it. I'm sure everyone at home is buzzing for it. And I just want to get, and to, excuse the pun, I was ready for it to kick off. Not literally kick off as in like rights and scraps, but on the pitch. Yeah, totally agree. Can't wait. I'm going to be watching as many games as I can. Uh, it's going to be beautiful. As long as the weather stays good, uh, beers, sunshine, all, you know, three games a day, of uh, three games on the weekend. Oh, it's going to be glorious. I'm so excited. I can't so, wait. Ross, what are you doing, what are you doing today? Uh, nothing enough. I'm probably just going to have a quiet one. Just going to have a uh, stay in. You've literally spent all day watching football. Oh, I'm well aware of my actions. Uh, I am, but I am half cut and really bad sunburn. So, uh, I've had a great time. I mean, every England fan will be out there. You know, they'll be, be half cut. But, you know, everything on the barbecue will be burned. You know, there'll be some sunburnt to fuck. Life's great. Life's great. 
Um, right, I think that rounds up our Euros chat. Likewise, guys, if you have any predictions and we'll get some bits and pieces out on our social that we need to catch up on, uh, by all means, get sign our DMs and get involved in our socials throughout the Euros. We'll post a few bits and pieces uh, covering that over the next couple of weeks. Ross, let's cover England's game very quickly then uh, against the Romanians. Uh, pretty lackluster 1-0 victory for, for England uh, You know, at, at Middlesbrough, at the Riverside. What's our main takeaways from this game? What, what's our main points to focus on? Uh, there's one main point for me. There was just one thing that stood out, um, and that was that man, Jack Grealish. I thought he was brilliant. Um, he's, he's got to start. He's got to start that first game for me. I thought he just he just lit it up. He, he was brilliant. Um, I thought Calvert-Lewin did okay. I, I've never seen a guy jump so high. I know he saw like Ronaldo. But the guy's like a jet in the air. Have you seen it? It's just, he's yeah. crazy. Yeah, like he, he, you know, he he did okay. It was just a bit. It was there wasn't really much happening, was there? Really? I mean, we knew what we were going to get from Romania. Um, I think the, I think the know, problem is, I think the problem when you play when you play these uh, these sort of ties like Romania and like we just alluded to earlier on the pod is that they don't really offer anything. They don't really have any players. They don't have a set sort of way of playing and all sort of apart from let's just try and not get battered. And then because that happens, as we said, they play six or seven, maybe sometimes eight in sort of at the back. They all sit back and they want to play some form of counter attack. And it's just, it's just difficult to break down, isn't it? And, you know, especially in a friendly where you think, oh, should I go hammer and tongs, you know, at these teams? Why should I do that? We're not going to get anything out of it. It just becomes sort of a lackless affair. But Rashford, I want to give a big shout out to Marcus Rashford, captain uh, the side for, uh, for the first time. I thought he had a tremendous game. I thought he was devastating attack. He showed a bit uh, of, sort of what, you know, what is sort of missing recently. And we've been critical of Rashford's performance on this pod recently. But, you know, he looked like you wanted to go forward, take people on, you know, pings uh, sort of off his left foot as well. So whether or not he creeps into England starting 11. Uh, I'm not sure he does. I'll, 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 give sure he does. The, I'll give him a shout out for the penalty. That was a naughty little penalty, that little stutter. And that was, that was cool. I had a lot of time for that. I like that. I think the, the, the question, uh, question mark for me now is what formation Gareth picks on the back of the two performances in, uh, sure, in those warm-up games against Austria and Romania. I mean, where do you see him sort of leaning towards, uh, you know, con- I mean, Ghana days are a conventional 4-4-2, aren't they? You know, uh, does he play three at the back, five at the back? Does he play sort of like five in midfield, one up top, a 4-3-3? Yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to know. I've, I've got a feeling they'll go four at the back. Um I think we'll go with a four-three-three. Um, I would quite like to see him kind of kind of play three at the back, but I think he'll go with a four-three-three. Um, you know, pretty standard back four. It'll be Stones and Maguire um, if they're both fit. Maybe Carl Walker in there. Um, you know, left backs are kind of up for debate, really. And you know, I think the front six. You think so? Well, I thought Shaw had a great game. Yeah, I'd. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I just don't think he will. You know, that, that's just, that's just, just my my thinking. Um, but I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I just, I just don't. Yeah, I thought he had a good game. I, I just still just don't think he he's going to start. Um, 
if Gareth doesn't go with Foden, Rice, and Mount and Grealish in in that midfield, you know, whether you're playing left wing, right wing, or centre mid. Because let's um, confirm, Bellingham's not going to start because he'd be too busy getting sucked off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because that, that's apparently like what all the pundits want to do now. Like, Have you seen George uh, Bellingham? Yeah, I do generally believe that better midfield in talents in the England squad currently than, uh, than Drew Bellingham. Phil Foden, you know, Mason Mount, Greenish sort of being them for me. Uh, I think as well, Rice has to start over Henson. I thought he's been poor. And I don't really see him getting into the starting lineup, even as you know, even as experienced and as good as he is. He hasn't played all football. No, no, he hasn't. I just, you know, uh, this this is the thing because you know almost everybody's watched these games and they've gone, got to get Foden in, got to have Grealish, got to have Declan Rice, got to have Mason Mount. It wouldn't surprise me if Gareth then went with. Uh, Declan six, Rice and, George, six and Jordan backs. Henderson yeah we'll have, we'll have Declan Rice Jordan Henderson four at the back so you've got six at the back and then you know a, a couple trying to score goals and, and create chances so you know what what, what they do there uh, I'm not sure but that's what I'd like to see so, some good young quick attacking players get them out there Harry Kane obviously go out there I still think he's going to start Sterling I don't think Sterling should start but I've still just got a feeling that Southgate is still starting. I, I don't know why. I don't think he's. I don't think he's done enough to start. He's not really. Lit no, it up. I, but then, I, I mean, I we're going to come on to it. In my rant, but yeah, we haven't really seen much of Sterling. Um, and the other place I thought, oh, kind of feels at, at for grabs. Really, maybe, maybe like Jaden Sancho, maybe Rashford. I, I think. The biggest headaches, I think, for Gareth will be who plays out wide. And, you know, he always traditionally plays with two wide men, whether that be in sort of that that 4-5-1 formation or the 4-3-3. He does seem to lean towards, you know, Raheem Sterling. A lot. uh, Yeah, and and Marcus Rashford as his go-to. But I just think uh, it's a bit of both, really, on one current form and also just based on who's better players. And I think that, you know, Foden is, uh, I think... He's been outstanding most of the season, and you know he's, he's even on the weekend he looks very very comfortable in an England shirt. Also, we're well, actually no, we're going to save that period of the week. We're going to save that period of the week. But I think you, you we got to pick the best players who on we can't do this thing where we just sit back and wait to counter attack anymore. We've got a good team. Let's go and attack people. Let's go and express ourselves. Let's go and you know let's take 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 football to him and you know we've got Harry Kane arguably the best striker in world football at the moment you know we've got he needs one chance yeah that's it he only needs one half chance and it's a goal yeah and I just think to myself the big one of the other questions what Gareth's got to think of is is who is going to play around Harry Kane not necessarily what the system I want to play is who's going to get me goals who's going to get me goals and I think based on what we've seen so far of England Grealish, Foden, Mount, Declan Rice, all four of those guys have got to be in that. So how he fits them in, I'm not quite sure. 
but they will work around Harry Kane. They will they will beat players. They will supply him with balls, and uh, I, I see lots of goals. I think the defense is pretty much set in stone. I think the only thing that does change the defense slightly is whether we get a fit Harry Maguire. From the reports so far, come out of the media, he is fit. He is he's he's come for his rehab well, and he will be fit to to start against uh, uh, Croatia. Whether I be honest with you, I don't say I'll be honest. I don't think he will start against Croatia. I think he will take his face on the bench. Um, I think that's just a precaution, and that's what managers do. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we will. It's interesting. Like I said, ninety nine percent of people would probably go with you know Grealish, Foden, Mount, you know Declan Rice, all of those guys. But I've just got a feeling Southgate will go with Henderson, Rice. He'll probably have Sterling. We'll go four at the back, and yeah. So what well, he's going to do? Let's, let's hope he doesn't. I think the the problem the problem I have with that is we've seen so many England managers gone by, you know, just almost be so reluctant to experiment and so reluctant to to have a go and take team you know take it two teams and they've gone almost a bit predictable and you know a bit untried and tested and I'll be honest that hasn't worked in the past and I just think you know we've got young kids at the moment we've got young players hungry players who want to you know take teams on you know we've got you know. One of the big criticisms of recent football, not just of England, but in football in general, is we don't see player, players that just want to pass the ball all the time. They don't want to dribble. They don't want to take take players on. We've got three midfielders in the likes of Greedish, Foden and Mount. We want to do just that. Um, it's what we want to see, isn't it? So if we can somehow fit, I know, a couple of white guys in there, I think we'd be sound, mate. But look, it was a, it was a lot of performance by England. Should we talk about the penalty? Or do you want to save that? The what, sorry? Penalty. Do you, want, do you want to talk about the penalty or do you want to save that? What penalty? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Save that. Okay, cool. We'll save that, obviously, for when we come on to sort of donut of the week. But look, it's all building very nicely for England, isn't it? Two two wins. Unfortunately, we've got, uh, there was an injury to Trent Alexander-Arnold, but nonetheless, we've seen some uh, some highlights. And also, you know, good performances from the players who aren't selected, like James Ward-Prowse, Lingard. Um, obviously coming on and, and, and doing bits but look, we're behind you England it's coming home and uh, I'm sure it will um, Ross it's that time it's that time of the podcast we come on to your rant I had a rant last week it's now time for you you did you did indeed you did it's uh, it's a bit of, bit of a short Wednesday um, just, just thinking about you know Euros and you know, we said I will sit here and watch, you know, watch some crappy sport. Now, I've just watched France play Bulgaria um, in France. Crowds in there when COVID's really high. Anyway, that's, that's not what I'm writing about. Um, if I looked at the French squad, so the French starting squad was seriously strong. And I I imagine that that's, that's the 11 that he's going to go with. You know, you got Mbappe... Kante, Pogba, Griezmann, all of those guys in there playing, right? And it's a friendly. Now, for me, that's what you should be doing in friendlies, right? You know, two games before a, a major football tournament. Why England? Why is that? Why are we not going with our best players? Why are we not trying out Foden, Kane, Grealish? Like, like make sure they're all on the same page, getting some game time together. I didn't get it. It just it just made no sense. And I, you know, we've watched France. They scored three goals against Bulgaria. But France, they're going to be fresh. They're going to know what each other's doing. They've had game time together. 
with England, we're playing Croatia and the 11 that, is, that we're playing, we've had two opportunities to play them all together and we haven't done it. And for me, I think that if, well, I mean, it is coming home, but if it doesn't come home, I think that is going to be a big problem. For, that is going to be a big problem and maybe one of the causes. I mean, why are we playing James Ward-Prowse, Jesse Lingard? They're, they're, not, they're not even in the squad. Yeah. I would much rather than play Rice just for 45 minutes. Just give him 45 minutes, get him fresh, you know. If you're going to play him next to Henderson, which I think Gareth might do, then play play them together, you know, just get them sort of knowing what each other's going to do. And we can't just pick 11 players and expect them to go and play 90 minutes, score four or five goals, you know, and kind of know what each other's doing. That's just not going to happen. I, I just, I don't get it. Um, I get the point that, you know, maybe there's injuries. I mean, you know, I've said that about France, you know, and Benzema's limped off, you know, so I kind of understand well, why. That's what, what I was just about to, to go on to. I didn't want to obviously stop you sort of mid-flow, but, you know, you could argue that they did that against Austria and they played um, sort of near enough to their their start. Well, not their start, but, you know, definitely... Uh, guys contention in star and they played obviously Trent and look what's happened he's he's suffered an injury and now been ruled out so you could argue that it's a fine balance actually between testing your squad out and testing your you know your best at ever and versus actually we still need to protect them because likewise we could say that about the upcoming say Lions tour with the you know obviously with the rugby and that there's a lot of rugby still to be played obviously of the season and you know the likes of Dan Bigger and Sam Simmons went off on the weekend injured and it's like, oof, okay, should they have played? Should they not play? Because they're going on a Lions tour, just like they've always been set to Euros. But they still need to play, and you still need to test things out. And so, yeah, I, I agree what you're saying in that respect. But like, what happens if they nobody played and they just protect them, and then they went obviously into a tournament undercooked, probably like the likes of as we alluded to Spain. Yeah, and but that's the thing, you know, with, with England, I just, I feel like with the players that we've got, I know you get injuries, you know, that, that's unfortunate, but I would have, I would have wanted us to have an 11 that have had 45 minutes <clears throat> or 90 minutes together and just build up that chemistry. And I'm sure they'll have it in training, of course they are, but you can have a game in training, but that's completely different to what you're going to get when you play Croatia first game up. So, Look, for me, that's what I would have wanted. I don't really understand why we didn't do it. I know the game against Austria. I mean, that, you know, we can argue that that was that was close we're going to get. But, I mean, Bellingham is playing, who I don't think is going to start. Saka was playing. I don't think he'll start. Trippier, Cody, who aren't going to start. Lingard is not even in the, in, in the squad, unless I've said him already. Um, so, look, I just, I, I would just like to have seen that. Um, and just have, have have their time to do that. So, look for for me, um, I don't understand why we've done it, and I just I I I hope not. But I've got a feeling that might come and bite us in the arse. I think you know if first game's nil nil against Croatia, who were dog shit, I'm gonna be sat here thinking, what? Why didn't we have a warm up game? What? Like, why didn't we play against a Romania, who were going to be hard to break down and play with our eleven, try and create five or six chances? So. Look, I, that that's that's where I'm coming from. That's pissed me off. Um, Maybe it's all just a false sense of security, and that people looking at England going, "Oh, they only beat Austria and Romania, only one now. Oh, they're they're shit." And then they come to play us in a tournament, and we beat them eleven 0 Just saying, you know, some yeah, sort I mean, of it's like, shit house psychology going on. Maybe I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to make notes on us, you know? Like Croatia, their coaching staff, they'll probably be thinking, oh, fuck, no, I don't know who they're going to play. You know, how, how do we set up against them? We've got, got no idea. Um, that is one of the, I think that is one of the big things that so I think Southgate I, is very aware of in that because... I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know, in that... I mean, if he don't, if he doesn't know his best eleven, or he doesn't know his start eleven, nor does any other team. So, in terms of the, you know, the analysts and the sports scientists doing their bits and pieces, trying to work out how to beat England, they probably don't know. Um, which again yeah. is is, is then, probably a nice place to be. But then, start players. You're in the fucking squad. You know. So, anyway, anyway, I'll uh, I'll, I'll park it there. But but I'll as prefer long as we, as, as, as long as we win, uh, no one cares. Yeah, look, it's coming home. Let's just let's you know we keep reiterating it, but you know, if you say if you say something enough, you know, self-efficacy and all that, it is likely to come true. So anyway, moving on from your rant, mate. We've been very football focused, and we're sticking with the football when it comes on to hero of the week. Uh, my hero of the week has to be Phil Foden. I mean, to go, you know, not only does uh, you know, he's got literally walks into the barbers and he's like, "What are you having, boss?" Do you know, do you know Gazan in 1996? Say no more, fam. Boom. Gets out with the Gazan-inspired haircut. I love it. I love it. It just makes me happy. It, oh, the young kid embracing the full Euro sort of vibe. It's just another sign. It's another sign it's coming home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, for me, it's the it's, it's the French one, Didier Deschamps, after uh, some press conference. Josie Mourinho was saying, if France don't win the Euros, uh, they would have failed. Didier Deschamps came back with, I thought the same thing about his Tottenham team, but it didn't end up happening like that, did it? So uh, I kind of enjoyed that one. I don't really like Mourinho, I don't really like Tottenham. So Didier, you're the hero for me. My man Didier. Uh, as you mentioned earlier on in the pod, big up Debbie Hewitt becoming the Aussie first female chair of uh, the FA, your hero of the week, absolutely. Um I want to give a big Definitely. shout out to Roy Keane. I want to give a big shout out to Roy Keane. And when uh, obviously we'll come on to Jordan Henderson in a moment, I'm sure we will. But obviously, when Jordan Henderson, uh, you know, the, he, they were asked about Jordan Henderson, and they said, "Oh, so um, you know, they want to keep him in the squad." And he's like, "Well, he's, he's not fit. He hasn't played since February. You know, what does he, what does he do? Does he do card tricks? Does he do quizzes, sing songs? And oh, just maybe chuckle. I thought he raises a good point. As much as you know, look, you could argue about leadership and all sorts, but they've got a lot of captains in their squad anyway, haven't they? You know, from from the various teams in the Premiership. If you're not, yeah, fit, yeah, you're right. They have, yeah. If you're if if you're if you're not fit, you are taking up an uh, you know a space. And yeah, I'm I'm sort of agreeing. But what I like about Roy is they ask him a question and literally no fucks given. He just says what he sees, and nobody's going to challenge him on it because I'm pretty sure it's it start throwing hands. But yeah, Roy, you're you're one of my heroes of the week. Yeah, I agree. He's just hilarious, isn't he? He thinks brilliant. Uh, have you seen the? Have you seen that show with him and Mika Richards yet? I've got it on the to watch list, but yeah, not really, not yet. I'll watch it, and if you listen to this pod, watch it. It is brilliant. Like Roy Keane, yeah, I don't, I don't think he puts it on. He's generally just like that, and I just fucking love watching him. So yeah, imagine Roy if you went into a pub and Roy Keane was there. Just, I don't ah. even know if that would be a good or a bad thing. I'm trying to work that out. Well, I mean, if he, uh, I mean, if he told you to buy him a drink, you would do it, wouldn't you? I'd be like, yeah. What would you like? Probably a Guinness, I imagine. Um, I mean, he could probably sit whatever table he wants, couldn't he? 
yeah you're <laughs> you're he's the sort of bloke where you'll be sat down because like uh like obviously with rona a waitress has you know showed you to the table and he'd walk over to you and you're like it, it's a you're in my seat but but no you're in my seat move and you're just like, uh, but then your missus will be there, and you're like, do I bottle it, right? <laughs> or do I get filled in by Roy Keane? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, it turns out I am. Goodbye. <laughs> it turns out oh, I am absolutely going to bottle it, and my missus is not going to be happy. So I'm probably still get filled in by Roy Keane. Um, <laughs> Donut of the yeah. week, Ross, who you got? I think we both know. Donut of the week, yeah. For me, it's uh, Jordan Henderson talking to the man. Um, I think he just did. Calvert Lewin dirty, you know, he'd won the penalty, get a chance. He's a striker, one of school goals. Jordan Henderson, you know, takes the ball off him. I'm the captain, and then misses the penalty. Um, shit house, absolute shit house. Absolutely. Who have you got? Leon? And he still, and he still hasn't scored for England. So, again, why you've got him in the squad, I'm again, I'm still sort of drawing a blank on that one but get, again fun. again I know we keep pissing off Liverpool fans who listen to this part but you know it, them's them's be the facts uh, my donut or donuts of the week rather shall I say has to go to current Munster players CJ Sander Mike Haley RG Snyman and Damien Dialende right guys we all know what it's like when the sun's out and you have a bit of a barbecue and you have a few beers, you're a bit pissed up, you're all fucking doing fucking around doing tricks. We get it, we've all been there, you know. Two of you have been selected to go to, you know, to face the to face the lions. One of you needs to move to South Africa, the other you want to get a, a space in an Ireland jersey. Probably not the best time to throw petrol on a bonfire when you all fire a pit or whatever it was. It's probably not the best idea, you know. They've all then been rushed to 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 the Burns board in Limerick Hospital, whatever it was. And I just think, uh, people listen at home, right? Fire, health and safety. If somebody's got a barbecue or bonfire or fire pit going, someone goes, should we put some petrol on it? Say no, don't be a donut. Yeah, that's like Balotelli. when he let the fireworks off in his bathroom. Why? What an idiot. I mean, Balotelli's just a different fucking beast, to be honest. But yeah, I thought they're no better, but they're definitely sort of, my donuts of the week. Um, obviously, donuts of the week as well. Honorable mention was mentioned to you before about Pirelli. You know, just absolute shambles. Um, just don't really sort of know what's going on there. Um, and Lewis Hamilton hitting the magic switch. Your donut. Donuts of the week as well. Just sticking on Euros. Vaccine passports. Vaccine passports, Ross. Last thing to cover on the pod. They are going to be used at all Wembley games. If you're vaccinated, you can go in. If you're unvaccinated, unlucky. Yeah, I mean, well, some people haven't been invited for a vaccine yet. So how's that going to work? Mate, I tried I tried to book my vaccine this morning, right? I thought, I, I, I obviously got told yesterday that we could. I woke up this morning, thought the first thing I'm doing is going to book my vaccine. And then what happened? Sight went down, crashed. I thought, fucking brilliant. Of course it did. Yeah, it's just... It's just... Stupid. So basically, what they're saying is, if you're 30 and over, you just go watch Euros. If you're under, well, I mean, you're probably fitter and healthier, but nah, you, you ain't going in. Oh, I just, Mate, oh, it's just shifting. I, bad. To use another it's football poor. analogy, it's just shifting the goalposts all the time, isn't it? And you know, you know, I suppose the one thing is, yes, we know vaccines are good. I mean, yes, we know that we need to do it and all sorts. But you know, if your program has been too slow to allow every adult the chance to even have one then I do question sort of the need as well. And also, like as we know, throughout the Euros, it's a multiple-city event now. 
to have it only at one stadium again I, I sort of do question that but again donuts of the week guys donuts of the week if you have any heroes or donuts for the week by all means again sign our dms get in touch with us let us know your thoughts and feelings uh you know across the and obviously it'd be hero uh sorry hero it'd be euro heavy this week so by all means i'm sure there'll be a few heroes and donuts to speak on next week's pod likewise guys we're still looking for somebody to tackle a pod once again so you know after this week's worth of Euro football, if you want to tackle the pod next week, get in touch with us, slide on DMs, hashtag tackle the pod, and we'll see what we can do. But Roscoe, if there's nothing left, for, there's nothing left for me unless you've got something, unless you've got something that you want to give someone a shout out. Just one more mention, uh, a special shout out to uh, Matt Crisp, who is uh, my hairdresser. Uh, Tracy's in Churchtown, got chatting, said he's going to start listening to the pod. So Matt, Thank you very much. Matt, big up uh, for listening to the pod and uh, obviously sorting at least one of us out of a haircut. Um, obviously, no point coming to me. I've got no left at the moment. But uh, likewise, guys, if you're in the church down area in, in, in Gloucester and you fancy a trim, get on over the traces. Matt will sort you out. Of course, he will. I'm pretty sure with a, you know, hashtag tackle pod, there might be a 10% discount in there. Can neither confirm nor deny that would be the case. You know, we are up for negotiation, of course, would if you like to sponsor the pod. But Ross, if there's nothing left from you, my friend, it's nothing left from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. Remember, guys, like, share, and tell your mates down the pub. But thank you very much. You take care. It's coming home.